and we're good to go. Welcome to Wine on Wednesday. I'm here with a great classy group. Um, we have Callum McLean, we have Cassie Sobleton, we have me, and all three of us are going to tell stories and give some social distancing perspective <laughs> and interaction with everybody. And the focus is on wellness. Why not have fun and find ways to enjoy our time right now and still have that social interaction with people that we're all craving? So we thought, so James and I thought we'd bring an expert because I'm really good with HRIS systems, right, payroll. James is the, the labor law extraordinaire, right? Everyone knows James from his work with Michigan Sherm. And Cassie's our, our health and wellness expert. Now, Cassie, you're a published author, not once, but twice. Well, so That's right, yeah. You had so much fun writing one book, you would do it all over again, write a second one. <laughs> so give me a little background on, on the books. What are they for? Yeah, um, I have two books. The first one is called Back to Balance, and that is a guide to an individual living the healthiest life possible, mind, body, and spirit, what that entails, how to get there, my journey to get there, because it wasn't an easy one, and I wanted to share my story and my lessons learned, hoping it could help other people. Second book I wrote was about the employee well-being industry, and it's called The Employee Well-Being Handbook, um, and the goal of that book is to help HR managers, C-suite level um, you know, employees, to create and implement and, you know, monitor a well-being program and how to effectively manage the health of their population as best we can as a corporation. So wait a minute. So when you said back to balance, there was some lessons learned. So I'm taking it that they were learned the hard way. Right. They were learned the hard way. Yes. Oh, I, uh, I live. This is HR. I live pretty... this is all hard. So... <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. And, you know, the majority of us in America, we don't learn about how to have a healthy mind, body and spirit. That's just not something that's cultivated in our society. And so I, like many, had um, a lot of problems. I ended up um, with Crohn's disease, but I didn't know that. I was very sick for many years before I figured it out and then went in for a pretty major surgery and uh, came out of it without uh, the majority of my colon, about six feet of my small intestines. I had my appendix removed. I was pretty sick and realized I needed to make a serious lifestyle change to get myself healthier. And over the course of the next few years, I did that. I quit my job and traveled around the world to try to figure out how to become the healthiest me without drugs. And um, I figured it out. And then what happened was everyone wanted me to talk to their brother, their sister, their mother, their cousin about what's going on in their life, their immune disorders or whatever they had going on. And so I finally decided it was probably made sense to write a book. And I'm so glad I did because I got a lot of testimonials and feedback that it helps people. Sometimes I read it myself just to remember, like, what did I do 15 years ago that was so effective? And I'll go, oh, yeah, wow, I really got away from the sauna or really got away from dry brushing or whatever. And, and it gives me little reminders, as silly as that is. Yeah, because, I mean, all right, so I'm not from around these parts, right? So a little bit, I grew up in Scotland, came over here when I was 20, 21. And a lot of the time people say Americans, I mean, people work to live but americans seem to live to work and it's yep. that whole mindset of if you're not succeeding if you're not moving forward then you're you're failing and it's a really destructive kind of mindset especially now sure. when unfortunately due to what's happened there's going to be some layoffs right and mm -hmm. you take someone's like their job almost their identity away i mean kind of what happens right Sure. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, one of the things I'm really seeing in this, what's happening, right, with this quarantining and um, just the whole COVID-19 situation we're in, 
is we're seeing mental health in a different picture. I, I really loved it. I saw someone, her name's Susie Clausen. She's from Aon and she's a um, wellness expert over there. But, you know, she said, we're finally talking and seeing mental health without judgment. And it's true. Like we haven't seen that as a society truly through the lens of no judgment, which is what we're all experiencing right now. But there is this moment of turning this chaos into an opportunity. And how do we take this opportunity to help people understand about mental well-being and help them formulate a plan to make their lives better, to make their mentality better. And like you were saying, you know, all through the world, there are different connections than what we have in America. I, I like to say in America, many of us are in public hiding. And what I mean by that, and I was one of them for a lot of years, like I had a large network of people and I did a lot of networking and I knew a ton of people and, and I still do. But now I have a lot of very close knit friends and people that I have deep conversations with and deep relationships with. But those who have huge networks and they know everyone and they're always go, 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 go trying to advance their career. So that they have these huge network and they look like they're really out there, but in fact, they're in public hiding, right? They're still hiding who they are. They're still hiding the important conversations and the things that are bothering them. They go home and they live a very different life mentally than what they're showing in the public. And so I think this idea of public hiding um, is something we can talk about in general right now in society and how when we're faced with these times where we have to go internal, it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people, but that's where growth happens, right? I mean, it's uncomfortable to rip through old stuff that you have to get through, but it's really a great thing for us all to be doing. It's so true. I think when you're being an HR director or any other profession, in order to have a real conversation, you can't be fake. People right. can sense being fake. And uh, you almost build trust by being a little vulnerable and sharing some imperfections. That's realize they know who you are. And being in an HR position, you need to be able to break that ice so they're comfortable telling you something that isn't perfect that they may have done or that may have happened to them and be that you know empathetic ear so you can actually take action and know the real story. And uh, this is the best time for HR to be that, you know, eyes and ear for the CEO and the C-suite where they can explain the mental health, how to help people feel happier during this situation, how to communicate in a way that doesn't make them feel, feel vulnerable, especially when jobs are at risk. So do you think that what's happening right now is actually going to create a gigantic cultural shift where it's, you know what it's like, you're, you don't want to call in sick. You want to you want to be the, the guy or girl that, that drags themselves across the the doorway into your office and oh I was I was 104 fever, but I still got work done and we used to celebrate those people, right? And if you did well, people sick, wore you, stress like a badge of honor. Right. Yeah. So you think this is actually gonna once we're through this, we'll look back and go, wow, that was actually maybe positive some things positive came from this that we're actually now looking at health in a completely different way? If something's wrong, speak I, up. Yeah, I personally do. And what I know of my journey and what it took for me to get truly healthy beyond the physical, because of course the physical is obvious, how we eat, how we move our body, these types of things are obvious, but you can't really get healthy until you have that whole tripod. I like to say mind, body, spirit being a tripod. If one leg is strong and the other two are weak. It's going to fall over. If two legs are strong and the other one's weak, it's going to fall over. So many of us didn't have the connection to something larger than us, some type of spirituality. Should that be religion or otherwise? It was just a connection to other individuals. And, you know, so many did not have that mental piece handled because we're so busy looking over here all the time. Should that be work? Whatever society demands of us being a parent, being 
whatever, we're not really going internal and fixing the things we know we need to work on. And so I think it's going to be a huge shift. I know myself personally, that's when my health really turned the corner and I was really able to bring myself to the next level. And I am hoping for that. I'm hoping that society gets it and they see it and they're forced to see it. And uh, it's funny because so many conversations with so many corporations and leaders over the years in saying these people need downtime. These people need to process the things they haven't dealt with. People, Bad bosses are bad bosses because they haven't learned to be good people, right? And so how do we get people to be good people? They need to become good people by breaking through their stuff that they haven't dealt with. And maybe finally we're going to have some moments of people getting there. So that's great feedback for those that haven't read your book yet. Can you kind of explain or the three legs? Is it always work, family, and your spiritual self? Is that the, those are three legs? Well, I mean, I, I like to say mind, body, spirit. You know, in the corporate world, we got into this idea of well-being, which is occupational, which is financial, you know, emotional, mental, physical. And it depends on who you talk to and what how many legs they're talking about. But Really, I think um, what we need to focus on is this internal relationship with ourselves and something that might be higher than us. Some people just consider that their own internal relationship or connecting with others in that way. Um, physical, of course, that's obvious. It's our body. It's what we put in. It's how we move our body. It's also not moving our body too much, right? It's actually having some compassion for the fact that we don't need to be perfect. We don't have to have these gorgeous bodies all the time. We just need to have healthy bodies. Um, and have boundaries around that. So my dad and, you know, is, so my dad butt is okay. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. If everything else, if you're getting enough sleep and you're getting enough water, yeah, I mean, probably your body's gonna be better <laughs> off that way. You know what I mean? Guess so. The dad butt drinking a beer right now, four thirty <laughs> in the afternoon. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned something about bosses being actual real people. There was a there's a bit of a change with the CEOs that were interviewed recently for some large fortune 500 companies that said you know all profits aside what we're looking at is actually being good stewards in our, our communities to our employees and workers and they said profit is almost becoming secondary and that was before everything fell apart financially recently do you, do you think that's going to continue through what's happening right now do you think that's going to help accelerate people actually being more human I certainly hope so. And I think like anything, it's a double-sided sword. We have an opportunity for it to become whatever we want it to become. And I mean, I do think we're going to see a lot of people step down. We already have, right? There's been some major CEOs that have been stepping down outside of these uh, Fortune 500 companies, probably because they're seeing writing on the wall and what's going to become of the next few months or years recovering from a disaster like we're experiencing. But I do think at all times we have an opportunity to take something to the positive or to the negative. I really hope the consciousness of society has raised enough to be able to take this to the positive. But I think that's going to be on an individual basis. You know, every single person is going to have that opportunity to take it one way or the other. So, James, what are you seeing right now? From your I'm seeing that this is HR's time to, one, earn their way to the C-suite, two, show that a lot of the meetings that had to be mandatory aren't as essential as everyone claimed to be, no. and three, <laughs> how to accommodate our employees. It is much easier to accommodate employees than employers, I think, realize. They used to say don't work at home unless you have a doctor's note and can do it only for a day. And they used to fire employees that never wanted to work a day remotely. 
right? Yeah. So I think as our technology increases and as we are, we're also having more of a work-life balance. Given this coronavirus, employees are working different shifts. So we have one, you know, administrative assistant that comes in for the night shift because she'd rather just be around less people. And that's better for her and her family situation. We have other people that get up early before the kids you know, are awake, get some stuff done, then have some family time and then work a little bit later in the day. So I think this whole, as long as you get your work done, work-life balance and the ability to have a purpose. I think the theme you were saying of the CEOs is not just profit, it's purpose. And the reason why we have to focus so much on purpose, not only because it's the right thing, but we had an all-time job shortage and employees would leave for a dollar more an hour somewhere else or even less if there wasn't a really strong mission and purpose and culture at the organization. Wow. So I think the mission, purpose and culture is going to get, well, like every time there's a, there's a recession or a national crisis, same like after 9-11 when everything stopped. But I remember that one that, that I get laid off from my dream job at Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts after, after 9-11. So when people in the hospitality industry right now are going, oh no, this is the end. I'm like, you know, you're going to get through it, right? It's, it's, it's going to suck in the short term, but you're, it's okay. You're going to get through it. So I think that after that, there was some tremendous changes and in, in influences that were made in getting people on the right track and putting people's hearts and heads more aligned. But so Cassie, when you must be getting a lot of calls right now from people saying, all right, we're not quite sure what to do with with our employees so you're an hr director and you're being told that we're going to have to let 80 percent of your hotel staff go i mean the 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 frame of mind that that brings up it kind of gives me anxiety so cassie what kind of what kind of advice or solutions can they look at right now to help them get through the next 30 60 90 days so as far as the HR managers themselves, I think they're under a lot of stress. Any leader right now is under a lot of stress. I even know I, I have nothing but a small team, if not only myself on occasion, and I'm under a lot of stress over this in the inability to be able to work and do what I do and how many events have been canceled and, you know, the things that I rely on for my income. And I, per, I, I like to give a lot of or can give a lot of advice as far as a person's mentality and where they're at with their health. As far as the corporations are going, we are an absolute unchartered territory. And I think it's on a case-by-case basis and what needs to be done, what the CEO is willing or the whatever leaders, right? If that's a board or whoever's making the decisions, what they're willing to give, how they're willing to help with this. Just like when you have to downsize in any other industry, what do you do to help displaced workers? Do you help them get on unemployment? Do you help them get reassigned? Do you help them, you know, what what's the answer? And I'm sure there's many of them, depending on the organizations and what they have going on, but it's a horrible situation and everyone is uncertain and everyone is scared and everyone doesn't know where next month's money is coming from. And I think that is highlighting in a huge way our society and a lot of the downfalls, right? And we have so many people living paycheck to paycheck it's not okay. And there has to be something that needs to be done. And so as much as, and just like with wellness too, I often say with this, you know, we can sit here and spin our wheels all day long on what we're going to do as a corporation to make our employees healthier. But when we have a society that makes food 
that is illegal in most other countries, literally. I mean, you take a look at, you know, post-cereal from, you know, Europe to America and you compare the ingredients and it's a totally different cereal. They don't allow, it's illegal, any, many of the ingredients there. And so, you know, when you start looking at policy and what we can we do with our money, are we going to help change policy and provide different types of solutions for our base and all pull that money together and use it in that way? Or are we going to look for these individual companies and, you know, things we can do one at a time? And they're all worth considering, of course, but I do like to highlight that as well. Quite possibly, this is something we need to look at much more globally than what we're just doing with our employees right now. And how do we help them with society and what they need to do to bridge the gap between now and when they come back to work? So, so again, so you got an HR director, got to lay off a bunch of staff. How does that HR director get up in the morning and mentally prepare themselves for getting through another day? I mean, so, right. how, how, what can they do right now? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, we need to be sleeping properly, which is going to be very difficult when there's a lot of stress. Um, Some people are into sleeping pills. There are much more natural ways to be able to get better sleep. One of them is melatonin. There was actually a really great study, and I could provide a link to it if you're going to end up putting this up wherever you put it up, um, but about melatonin and what a how they actually are are thinking that might be why children are not contracting or showing symptoms of this virus because they have such high melatonin levels. As we age, our melatonin levels decrease. And so they're advising people to take melatonin. It was a really interesting study. I started taking melatonin immediately a few weeks ago when I read that. I've never really had sleep problems. Um, But I think that's also because I try to pull back on my blue light time before I go to bed a couple hours if possible, right? So seeing the screen, seeing, you know, anything, working on your tablet, your phone, that blue light is sending a signal to your brain to keep going. The way the the earth uh, works, the sun works with the earth is that it rises and sends blue light until the middle of the day. Of course, you can't see this, right? But these are, if you were to, you can Google it and see a spectrum. It's pretty cool to look at. Um, And then around midday, it transfers over to an amber light. And that amber light tells you to start slowing down, to go eat your final meal, to start bringing things to a rest and to go to bed. But because we screw ourselves up, we're messing up our hormones, we're messing up our melatonin levels. Um, So anything that we can do to pull back that blue light time to increase our melatonin to get better sleep is going to be helpful. Um, A lot of times we notice when we're getting good sleep, we'll dream because we're in more REM sleep. So if you're starting to get dreams, maybe nightmares, I mean, nightmares are just, you know, a, a manifestation of what's happening in your brain, but all those dreams, they're good. And they're going to let you have deep sleep. Of course, keeping yourself hydrated, keeping yourself in a good place mentally. If that means, you know, reading some, Assuring things, meditating, praying, you know, finding some type of connection outside yourself. And really the one thing I like to do specifically when I have to deliver bad news um, is I try to, and and I don't know, some people call it God, some people call it the universe, whatever it is, but I, I like to sit down and, and really do a quick meditation. Sometimes it's only a couple minutes and literally just clear my head and then just say, please come through me, help me deliver this message properly, help me be and, you know, Catholics would say um, instrument of your peace, right? When I cut and Buddhists would call it something different. Everyone has their, their thing for it. But it's like, please let me deliver this with the right words. Please let me deliver this with compassion and kindness. Please don't let my stress interfere with what I need to do today and let that be the right thing. And, and someone's calling on whatever they want to call on, right? This isn't a, a religious thing, but how can you call upon the best you? And how can you ground yourself before you have to walk into those horrible, horrible horrible conversations 
So James, you're no, you're no, you're no stranger to stress. You're a competitor, a very, very high level, <laughs> and you're also, you were in arbitration too when you first started out, weren't you? What did you, what did you first start out doing law? I first started, I was the pit bull litigator. There you go. I was in court all day, and then I lived through the stress of the 2008 downturn when the firm was a primarily real estate firm. Go. So oh. the. the the stress of that uh, was high, and that is what brought me into the HR world. I was uh, preoccupied right-sizing companies, so that's code for laying off a lot of people. And back then, it, it felt harder to do than I believe it does right now because it was permanent back then. It was, you're gone, we're not planning on hiring you back. Where I think, and by the way, we're offering you slim to nothing on your way out the door. Where I feel like now it's, most people have the optimistic mindset, you know, things could be back and running as early as a month or, you know, maybe a couple of months, but it's not going to be more than six months. And when you have more than six months, that's where the WARN Act laws, where you have to give advance notice of layoffs and all these other obligations apply. So right now people are, more comfortable because it feels like all this government relief, they're going to get two weeks at close to full pay. If not full, they're going to get an additional 10 weeks. They're caring for a child at home that has their school closed. That's another gray area question. What happens when school is out for summer? That's still going to apply. But, uh, you know, a lot of these things, it's not as bad because it feels more temporary. Right now, the economy is people are job shortage. People are skipping drug tests in order just to increase the candidates available to hire. So to me, it doesn't, it feels more temporary than permanent. It feels like we're not, but for this coronavirus, things would be smoothly operating right now. Okay. But for some people that can't see, is it different? We've been through one or two of these before, so we know that it's going to end, right? We know how, and we've got some tricks that we've built up from going through something like this before, but see, you've got a, a director of HR, couple hundred employees and they're 30. I mean, there's, a, there's plenty of them out there that have seen nothing like this before. I mean, and they're probably, they're probably panicking. What do you do to, how do you get your heart rate down? I mean, what do you normally do? I think you got to show them the history and how history repeats itself. You know, in the 2000s, there was H1N1. Yeah, you know, that's a fun one too. Right? So there were other pandemics, and you know, I had someone today tell me their company, you know, stayed open during World War II, right? So there's some proud history and things of that nature. So I, I think we got to realize history repeats itself. We've been through this type of thing before, and the good news is that you know, um, for the most part, children and most workers don't have a high likelihood of death or some serious bodily harm based on what I've seen, uh, unless there's some underlying health issue. For me, the, the big aha moment for me when I was going through some particularly tough times was just ask for help. Normally, I'm terrible at doing that. But <laughs> as I got older and as I've learned to ask, ask frequently, ask often, and ask early. So if you think that something's happening, I mean, James, I got to tell you, you're, you're probably one of the best connected people I think I've ever seen. In the, in the HR space, so 
anyone out there is getting to that point where they're not sure what to do, just shoot me or myself or James an email. We'll, we'll connect you to somebody, anybody that can give you a shoulder to cry on. The HR director that I was talking about that was going to have to lay off a bunch of people. And I knew another HR director that just went through a restructuring that had to lay off a bunch of people. And I just connected the two so they could get someone that went through it six months ago can now help someone now. And I can't take the amount of relief that this lady got just knowing that there was someone to go to that had just been through something similar. I think that's this groups like support groups or systems like this, I think are going to be really key. And, and Cassie, do you, I mean, support groups, obviously it's, it's a way to go. Is there, is there anyone else you've heard of or, or any groups with the employee wellness you you've been reaching out to or quoted in your book? Not, not so much about, I mean, there's many groups out there about wellness. So WELCOA, W-E-L-C-O-A, the Wellness Council of America, they just started, um, I think, Tuesdays and Thursdays, some podcasts or some type of online um, navigation around this. They're bringing in experts from different fields to be able to help out with that. Um, the Michigan Wellness Council, I recently stepped down off the board and was on it for a few years. I know that they had a conference coming up soon. I don't know if the conference is still going to be happening. Um, they haven't announced that yet, but nonetheless, I think, you know, they have a lot of great resources. There's the 101 Best and Brightest. They have a lot of great. There's HERO, um, Health Enhancement Research Organization. I'm sure they're putting things out. There's the, you know, RAND studies. There's, there's a lot of groups out there and everyone, I mean, you guys are probably like me. You're like, okay, enough emails about coronavirus. <laughs> like, my God, everyone's sending emails about this, but that means there's a lot of resources out there. And so, you know, uh, there's a lot happening. I do think, you know, everything's changing so quickly. I mean, what we know about this disease, what we think about how quickly it's spreading, how we're flattening the curve, you know, things are changing on a daily basis and it's hard to keep up. So it's almost, again, just like, you know, you see some people that their, their anxiety is getting so high. I mean, I'm not even talking HR, just people in general who are on Facebook and, you know, watching this stuff constantly and making themselves anxious and putting themselves in this fight or flight situation where their hormones are getting out of whack and you know it is quite scary i mean you go out for something simple like the grocery store and everyone has their masks on and their gloves on and it, it takes your fear to a new level and so finding a way that works for you to calm yourself whatever that is if it's turning that stuff off if it's meditating if it's learning some deep breathing techniques there's a really great a few breathing techniques but pranayama p-r-a-y-a-n AMA. Pranayama is what they call it in yoga. And if you were to Google that, you were to look on YouTube, you're going to find about 20 different types. Um, alternate nostril breathing is one of them. Sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> but what I'm it sorry, does, wait, no, what? <laughs> I know alternate nostril breathing. So what it does is it teaches you to hold one nostril closed and then the other one and it takes breath through. What it does is it balances the right and left hemisphere of your brain. And it really is a calming breath. And you can find videos of that. I mean, things like that, they sound corny, but they are physiological. They help your hormones balance. They help you take heart rate down. They help you eliminate anxiety. And so should you have to be going into these really stressful situations, like even before going out to the grocery store, it's not a bad idea to do something like that and get yourself into a good place and balanced before you try to go out because you're going to be knocked off balance from a lot of different ways. Yeah. I've always heard breathing from your belly and cycling to get right more oxygen that's that's a good yeah diaphragm yeah i mean there's there's so many of those out there and so learning them learning what works for you and what, what works for one person might work better you know differently for another and so 
you know, it's fine. This is a great time, right? We have all this time. I mean, I've never in my entire life wanted to cut my hair. I just bought a pair of scissors and I'm going to learn how to cut my own hair. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, I so that- we have time on our hands, right? So go learn this stuff. Like, this is the time to do it. You have no excuse. So like, let's, let's all figure out how to keep our system in That's balance. Great point, though. It used to be for, for sure in the last two decades, social media was frowned upon. They don't want you on company time looking at resources from other people that you may be texting or communicating with on Facebook or something else. Now, more than ever, we're encouraged. What are the other companies doing? Let's get our resources on LinkedIn or other updates and try not to recreate the wheel. So I think if this is another, you know, force change where companies will be more you know, flexible on how people can get their information and not limit them from available friends and contacts and resources. That's awesome. And again, this is one of the main reasons, James, you and I started this podcast. We wanted to get HR directors that are in the field doing the job every single day, not not anecdotal evidence from Deloitte or from PwC or from Michigan Sherm, but actual just real people sitting on this, talking about how to practice good wellness or or an HR director and what's working right now and what's not, just so that we can all, you know, just vent a little bit, just feel some sense of community. Like I said, we started this podcast, it actually physically in person in a studio in Royal Oak, and well, that's out the window right now. So we're just all trying to learn how to do it a little bit differently, hopefully better. Yeah, and I, I always am a huge fan of sharing stories. So, Cassie, earlier you mentioned... You know, something you changed out of your routine was saunas. I didn't really get to ask what was that about. An elephant in my mind the whole entire time. Yeah, so um, I have an infrared sauna. I learned. Okay, okay, that's right. I have no idea what your what's an infrared sauna. What is infrared sauna? Yeah, so when you think of sauna, there's a couple different types: dry and wet. So when you think about the wet saunas, that's actually where you put the you know the um, water on the The coals. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but a dry sauna uses infrared, which essentially is a certain ray of light. And that light and heat heats up an object versus the air. And it's it's used a lot in industrial. Like I look back on a, I used to be an automotive and I managed a steel processing plant. And looking back 20 some years of that, we had infrared because our doors would constantly open and close, huge doors, like bay doors for trucks and semis. And so we actually had these huge infrared um, uh, basically like bulbs and they heated people's bodies versus the entire air. Cause we had hundreds of thousands of square feet. Right. And so that anyways, it's that technology can be used in a lot of different ways, but really in the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's been, um, known and studied tons of health benefits. So I got my first infrared sauna about 15 years ago. And I had a two-person. I recently upgraded to a five- or six-person because I wanted to be able to do yoga in it. It's ridiculous how I spend my money on this stuff, but it's where all my money goes. So, again, I have an autoimmune disease. I It's interesting to watch society because the way everyone's living right now, this fear of catching something, right, is how people with autoimmune live our whole life. And it's interesting to see how how much it's upsetting people. And it is, it's, it's rough. And that's what a person with autoimmune is always dealing with, right? We're always dealing with this. My boyfriend and I will get the exact same thing. And he literally like has four sneezes and blows his nose for an hour 
and the next morning he's fine and I'm in bed with a hundred degree temperature for nine, 10 days. This is just my life. So I become extremely diligent on everything I need to do to boost my immune system as much as possible on a daily basis all the time because I hate having to live that way and I refuse, not I refuse, if I had to, I would go on certain drugs, but I don't want to. I want to live my life naturally and without the side effects, all that. So I have a biomed, I have an infrared sauna, I dry brush daily. I mean, I do all this extra stuff, but infrared is this certain ray um, and it really detoxes the body heavily and it also it fights the immune or helps the immune system fight things it, it ramps up the um, immunity within a person um, I you know when I first got my sauna would go in a half hour to an hour every single day and lately I haven't been doing that until this whole thing came about and then I'm like oh god my sauna I need to get back in my sauna you know but it just reminds me it always gives me a gentle but stern reminder that like, Cassie, you can get very, very sick. And I need to remember that as healthy as I am. Sometimes I forget that. Um, but all of us now are starting to understand like, wow, what if I had spent, you know, $5,000 on a sauna and had it in my house while I'm in the social quarantine, rather than upgrading my car every two years, which by the way, I haven't done in nine or 10 years because all my money goes to health stuff. Um, it's, actually, I'm in my kitchen right now. I'm over here. Did you see all those? That's like my line of supplements. And I have it right there on my counter. I should go. I have it right there on my counter. And what I do is I have like a schedule. These are all my vitamins. I don't know if you can see that. These are all my antivirals. These are some of my other vitamins. And what I do is I just keep them right on my counter. And every three hours I'm there doing either the antivirals or the supplements. And if I make it super convenient in my world, that's how I live. And, you know, we should all really be doing that, but sometimes we need a crisis to remind us. Good points. Yeah. I mean, I, I need, I need, I need an excuse for exercising. Actually, I need a really big excuse to exercise. I wake up every, <laughs> now, that I'm, now that I'm home quarantined, I was like, you know what? I want to get up in the morning. I'm going to do a, a hit, 15 minute hit exercise. I'm going to take the dog for an hour walk for lunch and exercise. I'm going to do something else tonight and I've done nothing but eat. I am going to, so, I'm going to get out of this whole thing and I'll be like 50 pounds heavier. That's what's going to happen to me. That's funny. I was just talking to a friend today who said, and he was saying how much healthier he's become because he's eating nothing but fresh produce. He's, you know, he's, he has canned goods and all that, but they're trying to get through their fresh produce all the time right now. Right. Which we all are. We don't want to waste anything. I'm like, I've never used such little toilet paper in my entire life. I've never even thought about toilet paper. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the exact opposite. It's all going to help. Uh, all right. So Cassie, any, any last words you want to give someone listening in to see for your own wealth, wealth being? Yeah, your wealth, wealth being. Your wealth being. That's financial well-being, yeah. Um, you know, the one thing that we talked about, you and I beforehand a little bit, was, you know, this idea of acceptance and how that happens. And, right. you know, no matter where you are, you know, first in any type of, and, you know, we've all seen, like, the grief timeline and, you know, acceptance timelines. Like, first there's this shock. Like, oh, my second. God, what's happening, hang right? Me, and then denial. Just, hang on one second. This one. Can you see that? I can't, but I, I know it. So, so, well, the people at home will be able to see this really nicely. It's just like the, the grieving, right? Shock, then denial, anger, bargaining, depression. Then you dig back out acceptance and problem solving. 
That's right. And, you know, the shock is I can't believe it. And we saw that. We saw it everywhere. And if you're on Facebook or, you know, whatever, you saw people like, oh, this is nonsense. This is overreacting, whatever. And then it was like denial. This isn't going to happen. I'm not staying home. They can't possibly shut down society. They can't force restaurants to close. They can't force us to stay home. They can't. They can't. They can't. Right. And then it's like anger. This whole it's not fair. Like, And it's not right. I mean, but We've gotten pretty darn privileged as a society, and, you know, we're starting to see that come to reality. The next is bargaining, right? If, if I do this, I'll keep safe. If I do that, you know, if I do this, this will happen in these things. And then next is depression. People are going to really go through a moment of depression, and that moment could last days, weeks, months. It's all about how quickly you want to go internally and realize this is it. Like we're, we're in this place and you can fight it or you can decide just to jump in it and engage it for what it is. And, you know, after that becomes acceptance and then problem solving, how do you move forward? Um, but we are in a place where we're all given a real strong opportunity, maybe for the first times in our lives to retreat. Uh, I'm a huge retreater. I go on retreats at least twice a year. And I do that because the most profound life-changing moments I have had is going internal. I've been on 10 day silent retreats. I mean, they're, they're intense and they're not easy, but again, so much growth comes out of those situations. And, you know, maybe it's time, maybe it's time for people to become aware, you know, to start thinking about compassion and contemplating where we live and how lucky we are. And maybe for the first time ever, we're kind of understanding like what war zones are like, as much as we're not seeing people blown up in the street, we're not able to go out and live normally in society and have a little compassion for those that do. Cause in the media, they're always just somewhere else. And so far away, it's not our problem, but maybe it's time, you know, we can all start understanding the bigger picture and why we're so lucky. And that is going to foster gratefulness right gratitude and then from there fosters happiness and so we do have this this ability to ride this whole timeline of acceptance and really go into these things and come out of them better people mentally truly and more compassionate people and i just urge everyone to get through the anger stage quickly and to get through the depression stage quickly because you are going to hit them and when you come out the other end you're going to be stronger if you do some serious self-reflection and uh, some time to grow yourself during this really unique time we've been given. I agree. Given this unique time, we can develop our healthy habits. So this yes. we're all learning a new routine, working remotely or, you know, it changes. So how, how are we changing that routine in a healthy way, whether we're adding in exercise or adding in what we're eating or just, like you said, various exercises, breathing and other types of you know, meditation or even being alone a little bit to uh, focus on a better you. Sure, unplug. That's my big thing. Unplug. Get put the yeah. put the the phone down. Turn the TV off. I've actually started. What something that's gone really viral viral lately. It's a terrible word to use right now. Uh, jigsaw jigsaw puzzles. Right. I gotta tell you, yeah. it's been like decades since I picked one up, but I find it really calming because. Different part of your brain, right? So I'm sitting there. My wife is like, "It's been like three hours. You haven't moved." I'm like, "Seriously?" It's, it was it was just one of those things where I just no distractions. I was so focused on it, and it was just really, it was completely different. And don't be scared to try new things. And again, for people, I I definitely want to talk about mental health. Not today. We got to do this a different one. Like our. Our CHRO, Cheryl Johnson, she's got a big job. She's got 3,000 employees and about 55% of us are remote. So she's just trying to figure out how to 
how to keep all of us on the right path and mental health is her soapbox so we're gonna to have to have her on to talk about it but cassie thanks for coming in today i appreciate you coming in at short notice thank you so much thank you for having me it's been a great talk i really appreciate what both of you were doing and can't wait to see the rest of your podcast yeah, so it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be links to your site and your books and everything else and thank you for, for for james if anyone's got any legal well everybody's got legal questions today. <laughs> so as james likes to say the first one's free there you go. Happy <laughs> April Fool's Day. All right, yeah. Gotta have fun, as you said. Do the jokes, make it fun. Gotta do the jokes. Gotta make it fun, right? All right, everybody. Thanks very much. Well, and again for everyone, this was called Wine on Wednesday because we were initially going to do one a week, but with what everything's been going on right now, we're just going to do one a day. We got Lee Meadows coming in, or going to be on tomorrow. Same. Everybody knows Lee. How, how many people or HR professionals do you think Lee Meadows has guided in his entire career? Tens of thousands. It's a, it's a gigantic number, right? Thousands have uh, received their degrees through him. Right. So that's going to be interesting tomorrow. But again, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Wash your hands a lot. All right. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, guys. Get trouble. Yeah, bye. All right. All right. Thank you, Cassie. I'll see Thank you. you. I'll send you the link. Thanks. And oh, Nike's lost you.